ECDC On Air. The podcast of the European Centre for Disease Prevention and Control. Keeping up to date with European epidemiology. Hello and welcome to this podcast. My name is Catherine and today I'm your host for this episode of ECDC On Air, the podcast of the European Centre for Disease Prevention and Control, which is recorded from our headquarters in Stockholm, Sweden. In this episode, we are going to talk about one of the activities performed by ACDC, which is community preparedness. What is community preparedness? How does it work? And what ACDC is really doing? These are the topics of our discussion. With us today, we have Svetla Tsolova, who works at ECDC as a principal expert in emergency preparedness and response. Good afternoon, Svetla. Nice to have you here. Yes, good afternoon. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you for coming here to talk to us about community preparedness. Could you tell us more about yourself? What is your background? Yeah, I'm born in Bulgaria, so I finished university there. And after working uh, some years in the Ministry of Health and in the uh, newly established Health Insurance Fund, um, I re-educated a bit in health policy and financing. Then I moved to Brussels, worked on some projects on healthy aging and um, long-term care. And then after Bulgaria joined the EU in 2007, I applied for a position in ECDC and I managed to come here as, a, as an expert initially and now principal expert in preparedness and response. So before talking about community preparedness, could you please tell us briefly what is preparedness? We already have one of the previous podcasts. It's number three called How Prepared Can We Be? That explains in detail what is preparedness and what it entails. But to understand what is really community preparedness, we need to understand briefly, the listeners need to understand what is preparedness. Yeah, I will not repeat the definitions that my colleague Agorica Baka um, described in this uh, previous podcast. I'll just mention that public health emergency preparedness can be defined as the capability and capacities in public health, in health systems, and communities and individuals uh, who are involved to prevent and to protect against infectious diseases or health threats, and of course quickly respond and then recover from this. And it's a continuous process. It's very dynamic and it should be inclusive, including communities. That's what we are talking about today. And if you ask me what is a community, then um, how we define it in, in our work, it's a, it could be a group of people who have a common characteristics and interests. It could be defined by geographical location, by age, by occupation or by other shared interests, uh, depending on what you have to define and how this uh, group of people will be or is affected by, let's say, a health threat. So if I understand well, a community is, for example, a village or a tourist association? Or yes. Or it could be also... A... Yes, exactly. And, and they, these are, it could be like a long-term care facility as a, as a special community. It depends also when you discuss preparedness planning, uh, preparedness and response planning. Um, on what kind of threats you are considering and then you define the specific communities. And I'll give examples if you ask me later 
on that uh, with the work we have done. So how do you prepare these communities? Yeah, that's the thing. So usually the the public health preparedness is considered very much institutional. So it's public health authorities being that um, institutes of public health or ministries uh, drafting and uh, implementing uh, plans to be prepared against uh, health threats, uh, and that means infectious diseases, for example. And um, as we, we were working a lot with the public health authorities over the years, we found out that it's not always clear that they involve communities, being that local authorities or local um, organizations, when they prepare the plans and when they execute the response measures, for example. And in order the, the public health preparedness response to be effective, you need to involve communities because these are the people that are at the same time very affected. And at the same time, they are also the first responders when there is an outbreak. So you have to involve them in the whole process, in the whole preparedness and response cycle, which has the stages of anticipation of a threat response and then recovery. So um, you have to, to put them on board. And that's why we started this work some years ago to see whether the public health authorities really consider involving them and how this involvement takes place. So how did you start with that? Did you start upon request from the member states after an outbreak? Yeah, so it's, um, it's a process with two sides. So first we, we discussed among us and then we started with the literature review. So we, we made a review on what has been published on this topic. Then we reviewed some out, recent outbreaks in some member states and we tried to cluster them into like a similar disease uh, patterns, for example, um, food and waterborne diseases or uh, tick-borne diseases. And then we discussed with the countries uh, that uh, had these outbreaks uh, whether they would be interested to work with us on this project. So it's... Uh, project of almost four years, started with the literature review, then we did these so-called case studies um, with the four countries involved, uh, two in the area of um, food and waterborne diseases and two in the area of tick-borne diseases. Then we had an expert meeting to discuss the findings and to confirm that um, the enablers and the barriers to, towards community preparedness we discussed with the countries could be also uh, pointed out to other member states so that they can also learn from what we have learned. And then we finalized the project from our side uh, with the guidance that we published in 2020. And now it's up to the countries uh, if they would be interested then further to implement these guidance and work with the communities based on, on this uh, guidance that we produced. So how did you select the countries and can you describe the concrete case? Yeah, we, uh, when we discussed the project, then we uh, went through our database on uh, recent outbreaks. So we found out that uh, there were outbreaks of gastroenteritis in Iceland and in uh, Ireland reported uh, to, to us. And then there were also uh, cases of tick-borne diseases uh, in uh, Spain and in the, in the Netherlands. So that's how we picked up these countries. Then we discussed with them because in order to conduct a, um, a work with the countries, we need to get an invitation. We can't just go and um, pop up and say we want to work with you. We need to discuss with the countries. So who do you contact in the countries? 
our entry point to the countries, uh, we have a network of uh, so-called ECDC national focal points for preparedness and response. So these are our main contact points. So once we have an idea, um, we, we contact them and then we discuss with them how to proceed. It could be that they also contact us, uh, which has happened in the past. But within this project, um, it was us being um, in the driving seat initially, of course. And then, of course, the countries are in the driving seat. We only enable the process. So then you pick up one of the countries and then you contact your focal point and then you go on site. Yes. So we prepare. It's exactly that. That is the process. So we prepared the whole um, We collected documents with the help of our um, counterparts there. Then we prepare, We discussed um, uh, key stakeholders that were involved in these specific outbreaks. And we prepared some questions for interviews and um, group discussions like focus groups in the countries. And then, uh, and then we had one week uh, visit in each of the countries. And afterwards, uh, we prepare the reports, uh, which were, of course, uh, verified by the countries and everything is published on our website uh, and uh, the listeners uh, could uh, check these reports if they are interested. And um, important to say here is that, uh, of course, we involved very many different key stakeholders but they were invited by the national authorities. So we don't have direct access to, to these uh, people or to these associations or to these communities, if you like. I understand. But then you discuss with representatives of all these communities. Yes. So when we, when we were in the countries for this one week, then we had uh, sessions with the public health authorities. Then we had uh, interviews with the key stakeholders that we discussed prior to the visit. Uh, group discussions, and then uh, we try to involve as many uh, stakeholders as possible that were part of the response in these specific outbreaks. And we try to see how then the specific communities were involved, both in the planning before, in the response during the, the event, and in the uh, lessons identified afterwards so that the new planning is made so that the communities are even more involved in, in the future. And let me make a note here. Um, we can go and work with the countries for outbreak response when the outbreak is currently going on. But that's something different. Our work in, in this case for the community preparedness was for outbreaks that has happened in the past. Uh, there were some evaluations made by the countries or some of the countries. And then we go and just try to enable even more thorough um, discussions on how the process developed, what happened, why it happened, who was involved, and how this could be improved in the future. And then uh, in one of the four countries, who were the communities? Yeah, maybe uh, I will bring the example with Iceland. It was um, an outbreak that happened in 2017 in a scout camp uh, in August. Um, please know the timing. So this is a time when very many people are on holidays. But at the same time, um, for example, the schools are preparing because in the Nordic countries, school year starts earlier than uh, Central and, and Southern European countries. So the outbreak of norovirus happened in this scout camp. Um, so the chief um, epidemiologist was on, uh, on leave at the time. 
So there was a bit of a turbulence how to uh, arrange everything. Uh, so then the public health authorities had to act very quickly because these were children from abroad. So they had to move the children in a, a nicer environment with uh, running water and toilet. So they moved them to a school in a local community. And of course, separated those uh, children that were having the symptoms and were sick and those that were not yet deve- de- uh, have developed symptoms. Um, and then had to rearrange uh, travel back to the children that were okay uh, to go home and uh, keep those children that were still not so well to uh, recover. So Iceland has quite a good experience in um, preparing for different events due to the fact that uh, they have uh, uh, volcano eruptions and uh, storms and and other natural disasters. So they have good collaboration with the civil protection, with the media, with the public health authorities and all these other authorities. They work very, very well also with the communities because of all this. However, in, this, in the area of infectious diseases, it was not so much of an experience that they had. And at the time of the event, um, when they had to call the, the emergency cars and the ambulances to support the children, there were not very sick children, but still these were foreign children without their parents around. There was an accident of, uh, on the road with the bus, so there was a delay of these teams to reach the children. So um, when we were discussing all what happened and everything went well and there were no issues at the end, uh, but it was quite of a a bumpy road, I would say, for the the authorities. Uh, Then they um, noted some of the lessons that they they learned during the, the outbreak and afterwards and during the discussions we had with them. For example, um, putting sick children in the school uh, was uh, activated uh, as schools were used to be uh, or are in the list of shelters when there is an eruption, for example. So schools could be a shelter, but it has never been a shelter for infectious diseases. So the mayor of the, of the commune was informed only the, the day after, and that was uh, considered as, um, as something that has to improve in, 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 to, to improve in the future. And then having sick children with norovirus in a school that was supposed to open in a few days later for school year was also a bit of an issue. Um, and covering the costs of disinfection afterwards was also a bit of an issue. And of course, a lot of uh, non-governmental organizations were involved, including the Scout Association, including the Red Cross that helped, um, and uh, also the commune, the the municipality that the school was located. So it was a very good example and a very good discussion also with the different key stakeholders. And we hope that um, these discussions enabled um, better planning and further discussions with the local authorities and local communities, how to prepare, how to respond, how to recover after the event and what kind of um, lessons that they learned from this outbreak could be used also in the future. Do you work with other partners than these communities and health authorities? Well, as I said, our entry point is our national focal points for preparedness and response. And for each event, so if it's a tick-borne disease, the community might be different. It could be probably then depending on where it occurred, uh, could be hunters' associations or could be touristic associations or could be laboratory or a hospital if a case ends up in a hospital. So this, uh, these are different communities, if you like. 
Um, and we do not work directly with them. We work with our national authorities. However, we found out, and, and this was one of the feedback teams that appeared in all the countries, it was quite uh, interesting and uh, appreciated by the national authorities that they were able to go with us in the regions, in the local communities, and discuss the issues. So that first, being also with the ECDC stamp, gave them a little bit more weight. And second, um, we, we considered that as a good value, being there and the national authorities being able to be very close to the local communities through us in a way, um, so that, that they discuss together with us the issues. They do it on a routine basis, of course, but this was a, a specific aspect that we want to touch upon, which was the community preparedness, which has not been so much discussed. Uh, and I talk about the time before COVID. So maybe now it would be even more accelerated in the preparedness and response planning. What is the CDC added value in working on community preparedness? Yeah, as I said, the project was kind of with several stages. So we, we started with the literature review. We made it thorough a review on what has been published. And then we tried to have these um, case studies only with four countries, you would say only. But at the same time, we tried to retrieve the, uh, the different aspects that enable and that are barriers towards community preparedness and use this also for other countries to learn. So we believe that we have a value in that. And then publishing this guidance that was uh, very much uh, scientifically well-developed in terms of having the literature review, having the uh, field study with the case studies, having the expert meeting with the experts confirming what we, uh, some of the findings that we, we discussed with them from the countries, and then making this guidance to support our national authorities We find that uh, that is a long process, of course, uh, but we believe we have a value in that also to support our colleagues in the member states to do more work with the communities. So now there is a special section on the website? Yes, you can find it uh, under preparedness, under community engagement, and there you have uh, all the reports, the literature review, the reports from the four countries, aggregated reports for each of the case studies, so two reports, uh, one on gastro, uh, one on food and waterborne, and one on the tick-borne diseases, and uh, the guidance as well is published. And what are your plans now in the future? Well, the, the guidance was published in 2020, just at the time when COVID-19 hit the European countries and uh, the whole world. So, in fact, we were planning to work with um, countries uh, to implement this guidance and to work more in the area of community preparedness, but that was not possible in the last two and a half years. So we have to see now whether we need to amend a little bit uh, this guidance, considering the lessons identified during COVID-19, or we can still use it as it is and uh, probably discuss more with the colleagues, um, how we can engage the communities in the different stages of um, preparedness cycle in anticipation, in uh, response and in recovery phases. So we have a good planning which involves these communities in all the stages, which is, we believe, very important. Why is it so important to involve communities in preparedness? Yeah, I think there are several aspects. And what we have identified in our work is that 
communities, the different groups involved in the in the response, and in if we if you involve them also in the preparedness planning, um, they have to feel ownership when they this is implemented, and you have seen it also with COVID nineteen. So that the public health response, the crisis management is successful when they feel that they have also some saying in what is going on in terms of measures and how you plan these measures and then how to recover afterwards. Also, working with these um, uh, groups of, um, of different communities uh, in, in each country, in each um, neighborhood, in each uh, region, Uh, is important because it builds trust uh, between the, these communities and the public health authorities. You enable uh, two-way communication and not only communication from authorities to the communities, but you listen also to the needs of the communities. And also um, you kind of um, engage them and, and make them also very much involved in whole stages of the process. And you, in a way, educate public health authorities, if you like, also on more competencies, how to deal with the different communities, because it's also very different and very sensitive areas that you might find in the different outbreaks, depending on what kind of uh, health threat you have in your communities. Yes, you do a great job, Svetla. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast about community preparedness. If you would like to know more, please visit our website, ecdc.europa.eu, or follow us for the latest news on social media.